0: humans i'm wyo lee and you are listening to sex stories a podcast where we discover all the secret sexy things that we want to explore or understand but everyone's afraid to talk about as a reminder i am always eager to hear the reflections and inspirations that are coming from listening to these episodes but please keep any specific sexy thoughts or fantasies you have about me and our guests to yourself and enjoy our guest today is a 30-something white cis Bi slash gay male, he is in a committed gay partnership after a decade of heterosexual marriage and is beginning to explore his kinkiness. So far, he's into double-ended toys, play, and really connected sex, which is so fucking hot. From the southwestern part of the United States, welcome Casey. Hi. Hey. Will you go ahead and tell us, if you had to rate yourself on a sexual shame today, with 10 being so full of shame and one being not so shamey at all, where do you fall right now?
1: Oh, man. On this call with you, I'm probably somewhere like a two.
0: Yay!
1: (laughs) If my mom was sitting in the room, I'd be more like a seven. Okay.
0: Can you say a few words about why?
1: Oh, man. Well, we're going to cover this, but there's a whole theme of my mom having poor boundaries and interrupting moments and lots of just sort of implicit shame that rides through my childhood.
0: Can you now tell us what is your sex life like right now? Can you just give us a little overview?
1: Yeah, it's It's really great right now. Um, So I'm monogamous with my partner. We are probably having sex one to two times a week. Probably one of those is actual intercourse and the other one is like, you know, mutual masturbation or some other something. You know, we have a lot going on. There's kids and a whole bunch of life, you know, that we have to navigate around. But we are both, you know, really wanting to prioritize that intimacy in our relationship. So it's really good. Beautiful.
0: Do you cohabitate or are you in separate households?
1: We live together. Yeah, we haven't the whole time in our relationship, but we do now. Okay,
0: cool. And how long have you been with that partner?
1: I've been with him for about two years.
0: Sweet. And now can you tell us, what does sexy mean to you? What is sexy for Casey?
1: I mean, sexy is anything that just ignites that kind of fire inside, you know, ignites that desire. I think specific things that are sexy, you know, confidence is sexy someone who is open with their feelings and desires is sexy. Yes. Yeah. But And then, you know, that's beyond the physical. I think the physical part is obvious, but that emotional relational part is what I find the most sexy.
0: Yeah. I've been noodling a lot about what is the energetic feeling of sexy? Because this question, I'm like, yes, confidence. Yes, it's something. But like, I've been trying to figure out like what the actual spark is. You know, when you're like looking at someone and you know mm-hmm. you both feel it and your body feels it. Can you do words with that? How do you do it in words?
1: The language for sexy, that spark. I think sexy is that being seen. Like there's some part of me that is being seen by this, some part of you, and we're going to connect there. And that feels sexy.
0: What does it feel like inside your body?
1: There's just like this butterflies in the chest, constriction in the stomach, like all the blood starts going everywhere. Kind of feeling. And then you just know like there's some real friction here, that sort of emotional charge,
0: the friction. Yeah. I love that. Also, thank you for going there with me. What you basically just did is a little preview of feelings practice, which is one of my clones is going to be doing as I roll out my other like non explicitly sexually creative things so that I can get advertisers (laughs) that aren't scared by sex. So thank you. That was really fun and very brave of you. And I love like using our creativity to notice the specifics of our feelings. Two-part question. Did you ever learn about consent growing up? And as an adult, have you had an experience of explicit consent that is very sexy to you that you could share?
1: No, I don't think I really had specific conversations about sex. The conversation from my family and background was sex is between a man and a woman, and it's inside a marriage, and it's for having babies. And, you know, it might also feel good, but that's not the point. I think as an adult, I mean, I don't think there's any typical guests on your podcast, but I'm a little different from most of them because I've only had sex with two people in my whole life. And with both of those people, there was a very well-defined and developed emotional connection before there ever was sex. And so we didn't have a discussion about consent, but we were both very excited in both situations with both people to move into that next space.
0: Beautiful. What happens to your shame meter when it is time to talk to a new partner about safer sex? It sounds like you built up a lot of trust.
1: Yeah, and I think with both of those partners, we knew enough about one another that I don't think either of us was concerned about, you know, transmission of anything or had there been other partners. In both cases, the person I was going into a relationship with had had other partners, but also in the context of monogamy and also in safe situations. So we didn't really have to walk explicitly down that road, but I did, especially with my new partner open up the conversation of like, are you concerned that you could have anything? Do you feel like we need to get tested? And I trusted him to be honest with me about where he was there.
0: And trusted his judgment as well, it sounds like.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I knew that prior to that, you know, I'd only been with one person ever. So I wasn't concerned either.
0: Beautiful. And then I'm assuming that's also then backed up by two years of experience of having a body that isn't showing symptoms of anything concerning.
2: Well,
1: yeah, okay. Good. <laughs> yeah Good. Good. definitely still I still press that. Yeah. Good.
0: Which I should also say out loud, just because I am trying to spread like safety as the norm. Like, of course, there are asymptomatic things that can be passed along. And so, like, blood tests are usually, but not always, <laughs>
1: the more. Absolutely. Certain. I mean, I got my HPV shot. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So. yeah. Beautiful. OK, so now we got a little preview of what your sex talk was like growing up. But take us back to your early years. When do you first remember hearing about sex or understanding the concept?
1: I was probably about nine when I really started to notice or get any explanations about sex. And I had a single mother who was not closed off about the idea of sex. You know, she herself had had enough experiences that she had knowledge to give, but also just in a very reserved Christian culture that sort of dictated what you share with your son and what you don't. And yeah, what's right and wrong in that area. So I remember asking, "What sex about?" And she explained it in pretty just generic terms, and of course with the follow up that it belongs only inside a monogamous relationship between a man and a woman. But yeah, I think that that's probably when it started around nine.
0: Okay. Did you grow up going to church or have siblings in the household?
1: I grew up an only child, but did definitely was a lot a lot of church across the whole spectrum of my family and different places we lived. That church was always a big part of it.
0: Okay. So how did that affect the messages maybe that you got from other kids in school? Did they talk about sex or were you exposed to it anywhere?
1: Well, I was in public school. So the messages that I was getting in church versus school were sometimes very similar and sometimes different because we also lived in a really conservative part of the country. Hmm. So that message coming from school was not way different from the message I was getting at home or in the church. I think the reality that I was seeing was a lot different from what I was being told either place.
0: (laughs) And what were you seeing?
1: Well, I mean, the realities of, of course, now we're fast forwarding to like teenagers and and adolescent years, but, you know, the realities of sex and how it happens and who's doing it and what it looks like was very different from any of the abstinence-only education that we were getting.
0: We will jump back to the younger years, but do you remember the feeling when you realized that that actual reality that you were seeing did not mirror the teachings that you were receiving?
1: I don't remember that as an event. I think it was just sort of an over-the-time acquisition of like, huh. OK, you know, I'm, these things don't really drive
0: So before those adolescent teen years, did you ever discover your body? Did you ever have any sort of like curious feelings? What were your younger years like?
1: I did. And of course, remember, I was I really didn't have older siblings or anybody to show me the ropes. And it was just me and my mom then. And the first sort of alone experience with my own body that I could remember is I was probably in second grade and I was in the bathtub picture like I'm laying on my back up with my like junk up under the faucet with mm-hmm. water falling on my penis. Okay? I did that
0: too. I just and, have a vagina. <laughs> yeah,
1: so I could just lay there with it falling there. And I remember having an orgasm, but no fluid coming out. But I remember like getting closer and closer to this feeling and then being like, whoa, what is that? And I don't, I mean, I'd have to really look through an anatomy textbook to understand whether or not it was a true orgasm, you know, but it definitely was A dramatic feeling, and that was the first of a few times that my mom happened to just walk in the bathroom during the middle of that experience. Oh, and she didn't shame me. She was just like, "Hey, time to get out of the bath." And I was like, "Okay," Okay. but my ears were underwater, so I'm really not sure how long she stood there, like horrified or watching this event before she finally yelled loud enough for me to hear her and stop.
0: Okay, but it sounds like that's at least she didn't shame you. That is a something. That's every little win.
1: I think she didn't know what to do with herself yeah. but she didn't like scold me.
0: Okay, so when did masturbation start to make sense to you as a concept?
1: It was around I'd say 6th to 7th grade when masturbation sort of became a thing and I had heard from friends, you know, the term jerking off and and what that was. And then I actually started to look on the internet to figure out what this was about and I remember finding a website called Jack and World and it was very like non-pornographic educational about masturbation. And I know I found it because I found it at school oh. and the school, like, you know, proxies didn't block it because know, it, it was educational. So that's actually where I did some of my first learning about like what's happening and what's the technique and, you know, different ways to do it. And so that, that was, I think, my first exposure there.
0: So then did you go home and
1: try out what you learned? Oh, totally. Oh, <laughs> totally. Yeah. And I I remember trying, they had like a, Fill a plastic bag with lotion and stick it between the layers of your mattress and thrust into it on the edge of the bed. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember I had like a mattress and a box spring. And so pretty quickly I was like, this is uncomfortable yeah. <laughs> because it was it was too hard to be like thrusting into. But yeah, that was a good kind of how I was exploring on my own in those first.
0: Yeah. Have you ever tried that as an adult? If you've had like a soft like a pillow top situation, that's that would be fun uh, to revisit. Gosh.
1: It's been a long time since I tried that. (laughs) I I haven't. I think think that was the last time
0: I tried that. Yeah, I'm sure there's a toy that's like a better option at this point. Okay, so do you remember the ways that you started touching yourself beyond? Like, did you go from faucet to hands? Like, what were your favorite go-to motions? And how has your masturbation evolved over the years?
1: I mean, I first discovered just sort of a standard underhand grip, I think. And in the shower with conditioner, I think. Had a couple of, you know, very Bernie urethra moments from using the wrong product to masturbate in the shower. And then over time, sort of experimented with other methods, but pretty consistently went back to that one. I think now if I'm wanting to like take my time and enjoy the experience, I'll go with the overhand grip. But if I'm in sort of a standard, let's go ahead and rub one out and I'll just do the standard underhand.
0: I've never asked a penis owner this, I don't think. Do Do you ever? masturbate with both your hands on a penis
1: yeah I have done that from having seen you know porn and other things I yeah. think there are people who do that a lot I generally don't it's like it feels uncoordinated and inefficient. That's ha-
0: me too because I, I was just thinking <laughs> about that for myself and I'm like not really I really am a one or the other Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. I think yeah. it's
1: easier to just focus on one yeah, movement.
0: yeah yeah it is okay so we already know that you didn't have sex until your first partner <laughs> When was that? How did it unfold? And were there like romantic feelings in between? Like, what do we need to fill in before there?
1: So that skips a, a pretty big chunk. So I acknowledged feelings of same-sex attraction that's with the language we used then. But I knew that I had feelings for men as early as probably 12 or 13. You know, okay. I, I could identify that. But it was so not acceptable in my social environment that I just shoved that down and decided that I was not going to, you know, act on any of that and the only way that i entertained any of those feelings was in porn yeah but i remember in third grade do you remember moments as a kid when you're like waiting in the car for your moms to stop talking inside because they will like visit inside forever yeah. so it was one of those moments and me and my friend were in the back of a suburban and i think it was him who was just like you want to go rub weenies together and i was like okay (laughs) and so that's what happened we like laid down in the back of the cargo space of a suburban and we're just like sword fighting back there so that was like experience one it was very short because eventually you know one of them came out to the car and then it wasn't until seventh grade that I had a best friend who we were hanging out in the basement and we started to kind of play the are you nervous game have you played are you nervous
0: (laughs) I haven't played it but explain it I feel like I can guess but explain it to us
1: Okay, well, it's definitely a game that would get played among straight boys at school to weird each other out and sort of ignore the homoerotic piece of it, I think. But, you know, you like put a hand on their inner thigh and, are you Oh, and then move it a little closer to their genital. Are you nervous? And basically go as far as you can before making them so uncomfortable that they have to quit.
0: Wait, I'm so sorry. I'm having an epiphany. I did play this game. I thought it was about finding the tickly knee spot and i didn't oh my god wait that's what the game was about i played it wrong oh that's so funny <laughs> all right all right i, I didn't know
2: myself
1: yeah <laughs> okay I didn't so know. that's how it started and then kind of progressed to you know are you nervous and my hand is on your penis already and then progressed to mutual masturbation but we were both so scared of it that we like couldn't do it with the lights on and we started out mm. just like Sitting in the dark with our feet touching across the room, <laughs> like, you know, where our, our feet are touching yeah. as if that's enough contact to be exciting.
0: Yeah. That is exciting. Yeah.
1: We, we were like, you know, 13. So then over the course of a few, you know, I don't know how, what the time period was, probably a, a year, but we had a few more sessions like that and progressed to actually masturbating each other. And that was really exciting. Then we went up one of different schools and it kind of wrapped up. I think he was even more uncomfortable with the you know, humble, erotic part of it than I was. And he kind of broke it off because I think he felt like it was getting too, and I'm all, I'm assuming for him, but I, I think he felt like it was getting too emotionally attached or too gay, right? Mm. That was sort of the junior high period. And then nothing else happened in high school as far as any mutual experiences.
0: What about your emotional experience at the time? Inside?
1: I mean, I stayed in this space of like, knowing that I had feelings for men, but knowing that that was, totally unacceptable in the eyes of God and everyone else and feeling like this was sort of just my cross to bear and I was going to, you know, deal with it and never act on it and it would be okay. Right. And I had had romantic feelings for girls and I felt that I could have, you know, attraction or a romantic relationship with a woman. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't scared of that. And I also, on the inside, I wanted this sort of dream that was fed to all of us as kids that what we need is, you know a wife and 2.5 kids and a picket fence and
0: Yeah, the dog. I want the dog.
1: So I had bought into that whole idea of what was good and right and was very dedicated to getting that. And so I lived a very sober existence, right? I was a very straight-laced kid who did not want to disappoint anyone or, you know, let that dream explode or anything. So I really stayed away from alcohol or anything else in high school and even in college because I think I was, was afraid of what I might do if I wasn't in control of myself. So I carried a lot of both repressed feelings, repressed needs, and also a lot of shame about what could happen and what I wanted to happen on some level, but was too afraid to act on. And then you get to college and that's when I met my wife, my ex-wife now. And we dated somewhere close to two years before we got married. We really held off on sex a long time because we both came from Christian cultures that said we don't want to have sex before marriage. I had had a couple of girlfriends in high school where nothing sexual had ever happened. So I had had like some quasi-sexual contact with another male, but okay. no sexual contact with a girl at all, except for like, you know, making out.
0: Okay. Okay. So this, so we're in a world where making out is okay. Because I know there are some religious people. Who I are, mean, like, I don't excited. think
1: anybody would have said it was okay. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Like
0: my, my, okay. My religious leadership probably would have been like, you know, that's going to be just sex.
1: You better not wow. do it. But, you know, I had made out with a couple of girls and had a couple of serious girlfriends. But very much was, I knew that I was on a mission to find a wife, right? Mm-hmm. I was not I was not here to just have pleasurable experiences with whoever was out there. Oh. So it wasn't until I met my ex-wife and it felt like we were really compatible and had the same desires that I stepped into a relationship with her. And about six to eight months into our relationship, we finally had sex for the first time. And that was really exciting for both of us. We were, <laughs> we were in her dorm room and her roommate kept coming in and out. So it's very like, you know, high stakes experience. (laughs) But I remember it just feeling really good and me being really excited because on some level I had been in carrying all this shame and internalized guilt and internalized homophobia and all of that. I felt like I wasn't going to be able to satisfy a woman maybe, right? Like I I was really concerned that this would not go well or I'd be disappointed or she'd be disappointed or somehow it was going to just explode. But it was really good that experience was really good and both of us were very satisfied and then we did a whole whole bunch after that <laughs> yay yeah and so we just had lots of sex from that point forward and then i'd say that sexual relationship i have trouble talking about sex outside the context of a committed relationship and outside mm-hmm. and, and really now that i know what i know about attachment theory and the sort of growth work I've done since my marriage ended. Mm -hmm. It's hard to talk about sex without factoring all those things in because they're all tied up for me.
0: Factor them in for us then in any way that feels appropriate, please.
1: Well, I think, you know, at the beginning of our relationship, my relationship with my wife was always pretty chaotic, I think, because both of us came from some traumatic backgrounds and neither one of us had a lot of emotional tools. But as I reflect back on it now, I believe she probably has borderline personality disorder. I'm not her doctor, and I don't say that as any type of character assassination, but she wasn't well, and neither one of us knew how to handle that, and because of my emotional trauma from childhood, I sort of found somebody who was a combination of my needy enmeshed mother and my abusive tyrant stepfather Mm -hmm. in the same person. Our unconscious programs, it's amazing, where they will drive us to something familiar even when it's really bad for us, because it's what we know. Mm -hmm. so that's exactly what i found was familiar in one person and sex became the thing that brought security in the relationship you know there would be this cycle of maybe some stability and then there would be some blow up or falling out often when her fear of abandonment was triggered in some way and then her way to reestablish her sense of safety in the relationship was to have sex and for a while that was sort of this drama cycle of exciting and then mm-hmm. reunifying and like just sort of this makeup drama and makeup cycle. But as I got further into the relationship and could step back a little bit and see what was going on, I began to feel like I was being used Yeah. because I realized that as much as she talked about wanting to be desired and pursued, she was using sex as just a means of finding security. And that really took the wind out of my sails because whatever desire or excitement that I did have organically to pursue her and have sex with her was being undercut by this emotional manipulation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And there was a lot of pressure on me to orgasm all the time too. Because anytime that I didn't orgasm, she felt like that must be a sign that everything was falling apart and it was all really bad. And I guess this important detail, my wife knew about my attraction to men from pretty early in our relationship. And that was something that at the time I was very ashamed and very grateful that she would sort of overlook that. Who else would love me?
2: Yeah. And
1: that was one of the reasons that I couldn't leave the relationship, even though I knew that it was bad. Yep. Because who else would love me? You mm-hmm. know, I'm sort of this very shameful, broken thing. So I put up with this sort of really unhealthy behavior. And then all this pressure is on me to orgasm, because if I don't orgasm, then she will think that it's because I don't really want her because I'm gay and because, oh my gosh, like the whole scaffolding starts to crumble <sighs> Fuck. so there's a lot of pressure right a lot of pressure on sex and it really did move from what had been at least a connected and excited sex life into what became really just fraught with emotional tension on both ends and that was difficult for me because we both had sort of prized sex as something special and important but it became so entangled in all of this emotional baggage and stuff we didn't know how to work out that it stopped being good
0: wow also i can relate to my own version of that and you articulated it so beautifully have you been to therapy or something
1: (laughs) oh wow yeah no (laughs) i've been to lots of therapy okay (laughs) please everyone get a therapist yeah i wish everyone in the world could have a therapist as good as mine There's been a lot of emotional work that has gone into finding this perspective. I'm sure it sounds very put together now, but it certainly wasn't at one time. And I was really just being led around by the nose, by my childhood trauma, into really every situation in my life. And I had no idea.
0: We don't know until we know. And if we don't talk to each other and have these conversations, we will never know.
1: Yes. And I had found every explanation in the world for why this person wasn't toxic, why they were perfect for me and every explanation in the world for her behavior and why it'll get better soon and I can love her into someone different. And, you know, I had just come up with all of that. I constructed this whole thing to keep the wheels on the track and it held until it didn't and then it fell apart.
0: Okay, so it fell apart. What was the next piece of the story in your sexual evolution?
1: Things just came to a breaking point where her mental health was concerned and it was no longer a safe environment for anybody. So it had to end. And my new partner, my current partner, was my best friend when all that went on. And like I said, I had never had a sexual relationship with a man, and neither had he. He had also come from a conservative background like mine and also didn't acknowledge or pursue homosexual feelings. So in the wake of my marriage falling apart, we turned to each other in the I'd say weeks to months following, and we're like, what's going on here? Right. Like, we could feel that we were crossing into new territory and both simultaneously really excited about it and really afraid about it. And we had this one night where we were just laying in bed at his apartment, and neither one of us could sleep because there was all this energy that we didn't know what to do with. Right. We could feel that there was some kind of like emotional sexual tension of some kind, but we, neither one of us had been explicit about it at all. Yeah. And so then, you know, I'm too hot. Can I take my shirt off? Well, I'm hot. Can I take my shirt off too? And so then we're both, you know, shirts are off in the bed and we just start touching skin, right? Mm -hmm. And like, I can't even describe to you that electricity of being seen and known and touched in that space, especially sort of on the heels of all the trauma of my relationship itself and the relationship falling apart and then suddenly feeling safe and seen in the space with him was incredible. And so we both were just like overcome by the experience of just being touched. And then that progressed in the next few days to a kiss. And in the few days after that, to some touching of the genitals. <laughs> and then a little while after that into oral sex. And the oral sex threshold was a big one because, you know, like I said, I I felt like I was never going to act on any of this in my life, right? Yeah. I had believed that it was not okay and that it was not something I could ever do. And that certainly it would bring me to ruin, right? Like if I were to cross that threshold with a man, it would just ruin my entire life because that was pretty much the narrative that was preached in my background growing up. So we spent a few weeks in this limbo, probably six weeks to two months in like this limbo of, I feel like I want to have sex with you, but I really don't think I can have sex with you because what would that mean about me? And God would hate me and my family would hate me. And also, what if it ruins my life and ruins our friendship because I have this friendship that I treasure with you? and I do not want to screw it up. Like, And, you know, we had conversations about, like, I would rather never have sex ever and keep this connection that we have than ruin it by crossing into that territory. Because, you know, also operating in like the maybe this is wrong. Maybe this shouldn't be kind of territory.
0: Really high stakes stories.
1: Oh, man. Right. So I'm trying to navigate all that. And I'm trying to there's this whole sort of identity crisis going on spiritually relationally inside of me while really trying to explore this new territory that feels exciting and safe, but also very dangerous at the same time. And then, gosh, I remember so we are, we've been making out, and we've had several episodes of like some pretty heavy petting of like, you know, like, we're not having sex because we have our clothes on, but if we didn't have clothes on, we'd be having sex sort of moments. And then I remember we're in the bed, and I'm kissing him. So like, he's on his back. And I am over the top of him. And his legs are around me. And I, like, pull his pants down. And I, like, push up against him. And he looks me in my eyes and just goes, I want you to fuck me. I seriously said, what? (laughs) Like, I just... And then I did. Like, grabbed whatever lube I had handy. And we did. And it was... I mean, just... Amazing, and I didn't come that time, but he did
2: wow,
1: and I actually like I jerked him off while I was inside, so and then come, and that was wow. incredible. And then we're in the shower afterward, and I'm like, I just had sex with my best friend, and um, I didn't get struck by lightning. like the world didn't fall apart. I'm okay, and we're okay, and that felt good, and I don't feel ashamed. And this is, oh my gosh, right? like the, it's okay. And it was just transformational, I can say. That experience was huge.
0: Holy cow.
1: Yeah, let uh, me breathe for a minute.
0: Beautifully <laughs> told as well. Like the tension, the buildup. I feel like I'm in a similar energetic moment. Like in some ways I'm like, this is an oracle. <laughs> this yeah. is story is an oracle. <laughs> what will the orgasm be? That's so beautiful. So that was approximately two years ago? Yeah, roundabout, right yeah. It sounds like you did it again. And again. Oh, well, yeah. And again. We did and again. It a few
1: times. Yeah. Yeah. So there was that time. And then there was, I'd say, some time late. Because right when we finished, he goes, You need to feel that.
0: <laughs> I was going <laughs> to okay. ask, like, did you know if you were a top or a reverse or, like, how? Okay. Oh, right.
1: So well, being that I had sort of stiff armed this whole culture, if we want to say gay culture as a whatever that is, right? right I had sort right. of stiff armed that whole idea. And there was no hookups there was no apps there was no right there was porn but i sort of just always got off on the whole idea of being with a man i didn't really ascribe to top or bottom or identify myself that way because i couldn't right, right. like i couldn't identify myself as gay much less pick a position so <laughs> then, then i'm with him he's like you need to feel that and yeah. i'm like you no, okay so well then we try that and it feels amazing of course We didn't really know how to prepare for it, and like there was no like warm-up with toys, so it was like a little bit of slow goings at first, but then it just felt amazing. And of course, we both orgasmed at the same time, and it's just this magical experience. And then it was sort of a new phase of both of us getting used to like, okay, well, you know, I guess I'm, am I gay? I I guess I'm gay. Because we had both had relationships with women in the past, right, that had been, from a sexual standpoint, gratifying. It's not like I was grossed out being with my wife. I had good sex with my wife. Sort of crossing into that territory. And then also just the growing pains of a new relationship and having gay sex. Like, I didn't really know a lot about the whole scenario and like learning how to prevent a mess, yeah. <laughs> yeah. learning what we like and what we don't like. You know, I think right now in our relationship, I probably top like 70% of the time. Okay. But we definitely both enjoy both. How do you decide? I'm the higher desire partner in our relationship. So I tend to be the one who initiates a little more. I tend to be the one who takes on the active role a little more. I like that. I also like to be on the other end. But, you know, we're kind of both in like a feeling kind of sexually liberated after all this years and years of being repressed. or suppressing and repressing and all that. So we're still, I think, figuring out a lot of what we really like and what we don't. So there's not always a decision. The way we do it now is like, it's usually understood that if we're just going to have sex on a random day, he's the bottom, usually. And he will basically let me know, like, Yeah, it's a good day for that. Let's do that. Right. Or, like, oh, today's not a good day for that. Let's do something else. Right. Like, either you can bottom or we can masturbate or use a toy or something. And you're always doing, you know, bidet advertisements. Everyone out there needs a bidet.
0: I love mine.
1: (laughs) I don't know how anyone prepares for anal sex without a bidet, (laughs) but it's (laughs) like it's awesome. I don't have an expensive tushy one because I'm cheap, but they're cool. And then if there's a day, I'd say, you know, every like third or fourth time, I'm like, okay, I think it's my turn. Like, I want to buy one this time. And then we'll go about it that way.
0: So fun. So before we get into the specifics of what you've learned that you're enjoying and what you're looking forward to, tell us a little bit about your body. Where are the most sensitive parts? What do you love? And what do you love about other people's bodies?
1: So I'm circumcised. And it's not like the tightest circumcision ever, but it's kind of close. Like, there's not a lot of play in that extra skin down there. And that means that you have to be pretty focused about where you do your stimulating. So like the frenulum is much more sensitive than other parts. I actually looked into foreskin restoration a while back, which is a thing. Have you heard about that?
0: I have a little bit, but I haven't researched it like a man considering it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't bite the bullet on it. Some people just start wearing sort of like a silk hood over the tip of their penis to sort of increase sensitivity because the idea of, you know, like if your glands has been rubbing against your underwear and your pants your whole life, it's going to be sort of keratinized and built up that thicker tissue. So there's that idea to increase sensitivity.
0: There must be silk mantis or something.
1: Uh, Yeah, there are some like that, yeah. And then there's an actual device that either hooks to your inner thigh or you wear it like a belt and actually grabs what extra skin there is down there when it's flaccid and tugs on it um, and just holds tension. (laughs) Yeah, it holds tension and your body responds to that tension and makes new skin cells around the base. Okay, that's
0: cool, though. I mean, that's kind of intense, but like... Yeah. As a a person who generally enjoys sensation, that's, wow.
1: Yeah. So if you were really committed about it, you could actually grow a whole, as much skin as you wanted, you know, to the point of having a whole foreskin. I would just like to have a little more play. Because I didn't really know until I experienced my partner's penis, right? And then I was like, oh. Right, like, you're circumcised, but you actually, like, still have movement in the skin on your penis, and that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. And it allows you to be Stimulated without getting sensitive, without chafing, because this is the way it's supposed to be, right? I think this, he has what probably is like an ideal circumcision, and mine is more like not. <laughs> so they took a little more skin than maybe they needed to.
0: But nerve cells cannot regenerate. So is it really just the cushion of skin cells that's creating sensation?
1: Well, it is the idea that you have one, a barrier of extra skin that's covering your glands all the time so that it's not thickened and desensitized. And then there's the actual sensation of your skin moving over your skin during yeah. sex. That's hot. And you need less lube and you need less but because you have some of that extra
0: play. Oh my gosh. I'm feeling my farm foot right now because I sit like a heathen and I'm just thinking about like <laughs> Wait, are
1: you are you sitting on one foot? Yeah. Because I totally am too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, which one? Yeah. Mine is this one. My way. right foot. Oh, yep. mine too. You know, I'm thinking about just how thick my calluses are from growing up walking around barefoot and living in a concrete place and forgetting to wear slippers most of the time. And I can only imagine what the glands rubbing on cotton does.
1: Right. And it's the only penis I've ever had. So yeah. I don't really know what it would feel like to be different. But cool. at least in theory that I could have better sensation mm. and you know maybe more comfortable sex sometimes yeah it makes me at least intrigued to try it because we don't really have a lot to lose
0: yeah yeah Ugh, i wish i could beam you some of the extreme sensitivity of my clitoris we can try <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Just, you know, okay everyone see if right. did it work did it work <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know anyone who later. needs it <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if it balances out so okay what else about your body outside of penis are your balls do they like stuff tell us about your asshole everyone bring everyone to the party
1: Okay, just <laughs> all the parts. Yeah. My balls definitely like to be stimulated. Ooh. They're not like especially low hanging. They're just kind of there. Most of my body likes whatever stimulation you're going to get. Totally. I, just, but... I like to be touched. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> my more erogenous zones would definitely be like my neck and my ears. Mm. Right? That just kind of sends me through the roof pretty fast.
0: What kinds of sensations? Like wet tongue, dry tongue, sucking, hitting, tickles?
1: If you nibble my earlobe, mm. right? That'll, yeah. that'll get you. That'll love, get you one. Um, whispering in my ear, especially whispering. sexy things in my ear kisses on my neck you know as a mature adult you're not supposed to walk around with hickeys but like that sensation is good too (laughs) so good and then like my whole like pubic region inner thighs all of that likes to be touched and simulated Mm. remember when I talked about sex being very emotional and relational for me yes I think if I tried to have sex with someone who I was not really emotionally connected to and we were just doing physical pleasure I would not be able to orgasm for sure. And I might not even be able to get aroused. Mm. For me, there's always an emotional component. Like even when I masturbate, I'm thinking, feeling, imagining a situation with my partner, right? Things like that. If there's not feelings involved and there's not some spark happening, I'm like, eh, right? (laughs) It just wouldn't really do it for me. That kind of plays into when we're having sex, I like a lot more than just stick it in and do it, right? Like I want to connect with you, and feel we're going to have a soul experience right now and that honestly has been something i've had to learn in my new relationship you know i'm have an anxious attachment style and my new partner has more of an avoidant attachment style and that means that we have different attitudes about many things but sex is one of them and i had to get used to the idea that it's not a problem if every sexual experience in your relationship is not this like transcendent mind-blowing Thing, right? Because we rode in that space for so long at the beginning of our relationship. There was so much discovery and there was so much just new love. And so, oh man, it was fireworks every minute of the day. And that I really had to learn that there wasn't a problem when we started to just slip out of that and into a more safe, stable sexual space.
0: And in fact, that is how we are wired. Our dopamine systems cannot do the fireworks with the same, like we, yeah.
1: Well, and that's why I think a lot of people, and this certainly is not judgment, but I think many people walk around struggling to get into and stick to monogamous relationships because they don't understand and can't bridge that movement into the stable and secure phase of a relationship. And they think that when there's no more fireworks, well, right. there must be a problem. Right. And I must need to find someone new.
0: No, we just need conscious novelty seeking. Yes.
1: <laughs> there you go. Right. And together we can together we can what... yes. yes. And we are we are having a lot of fun doing that together now.
0: Okay. But is there anything else to hear about your body but maybe also include some of the together things that you're
1: exploring. Well, okay, like, my butthole likes to be simulated.
0: Yes, I want to hear about the double-ended toys, too.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, Well, I have a toolbox of toys. Do you want me to show them to you? Ah, yes, I
0: do! I'll describe them as you show them. Okay, this is a good-sized toolbox.
1: So, this is a double-ended sleeve that vibrates.
0: Oh, that's amazing.
1: So, that's from Tom of Finland. It's like a... So, you can... Actually, we can touch in the middle.
0: That is so hot. Wait, have you guys come like that? It's a big tube and his fingers are sticking into it and you've come at each other?
1: Oh yeah. So like when he comes, it's all over my dick. And like that is I mean like I go. So I go immediately pretty much after that happens. Which is good because he couldn't handle like the stimulation after, so I gotta go pretty fast. Yeah. But oh man. That one's really fun for like, you know, it's not a good night for actual sex. Let's try something new. That's
0: great. Perfect.
1: Then there's this friend.
0: Ooh, we've got a double-ended dildo.
1: It's a bright purple double-ended dildo. Bright purple dildo. color? <laughs> and it vibrates on both ends.
0: Ooh, I need to get one of those. Do you like that one?
1: I do like this one. We have a smaller one that's probably a little more comfortable because it's a little more flexible. Mm-hmm. It turns out when you're trying to use a dildo between two people, if it's too rigid, it like doesn't feel good because yeah. you're not getting poked where you want to get poked and you like oh, can't move.
0: That makes sense. That is a great pro tip.
1: The way we use this one is usually kind of like, you know, laying on our backs or a little bit on our side like scissoring basically if you can picture that but you know with this in between.
0: that's exactly what i was imagining and i was imagining also a contraption that was sort of like part rowing machine but like where the ground is solid and you can like row yourself back and forth these are like the contraptions that i like invented in my head to get fucked with. I don't
1: know. <laughs> this is like a pilates machine but yeah like yeah but like, like, like both voice. of you
0: facing each other with like okay <laughs> <laughs> mm,
1: <yeah. laughs> This is the other one. This one's smaller, but the kind of (gasps) flexible one.
2: Yeah. That's kind of a
1: bigger end and a smaller end. And then we've got like prostate massager. Fuck yes. A couple of those. Also, I didn't know that there was such a thing as like a lube injector.
0: Yes. Aren't they fun?
1: I have a red one. I realized that sometimes you would actually like the lube to be like in there. (laughs) And it's good to have. Yeah.
0: It's also fun just to have it like dribble out sometimes too. Like Mm -hmm. just to make it extra
1: lubey. Wet. And then there's a couple of sleeves. This one has two ends.
0: Oh, cool. Oh, a star-shaped end and a circle end. Mm -hmm. Does it feel different? Can you feel the difference?
1: Yes, you can definitely feel the difference. Because one of them is like ribs. So when you pull it off the head, it's like... right. And then the other one is nubbly inside. (laughs) Great. And then my favorite one right now is this... Have you heard of the Tenga Company?
0: Yes. People have been telling me about them. Yes.
1: Yeah. So this is the spinner. And it has some kind of springy wire formation inside that when you pull it off, it like sucks on your penis and like twists as it awesome. yeah that's and it feels really so cool so that's a new fave
0: i want to get one of those and i want to get a partner to use one of those with
1: yep that one feels super good a sensation unlike you know anything else i've really had
0: but that one's not an egg that's something different it's a sleeve what is that called
1: this one's called a tinga spinner spinner okay that's and they a have spinner. a bunch that have different textures on the inside like different feels but then they all have that spinny motion which is very cool
0: How did you go about choosing toys, by the way?
1: I kind of just started browsing a little bit. And I had seen a porn video with a double-ended dildo in it. And I was like, oh, that's hot. Like, I want to try that. And then we did. And it felt pretty good. We don't do that really often, but it's pretty awesome when we do. And then now we kind of enjoy, like, browsing together for some new piece of novelty. You know, I think generally I'm the one who's more curious and more, like, wanting to keep pushing the envelope because my partner's a little you know just if you think about me as a person i was having heterosexual sex for a long time Mm -hmm. but i'm a lot more experienced with sex in general than my partner because i was married for 10 years having plenty of sex so it's been a journey of also just allowing him the space to discover and grow at his own pace and like hold his hand and walk to new territory but not like drag make him feel like he's being dragged
0: <laughs> that is such a beautiful gift also it's what i dream of because i'm extremely curious but my favorite way to learn is not to be the person who like researches the fuck out of everything and then is like who will do this with me that is what i'm attempting to do now <laughs> because i mean doing. that's that's what i'm doing now but like my ideal was when it was like someone appears in my life and has these very specific fantasies that I just happen to have been wanting to try and has like this very specific invitation then all I have to do is say yes and show up and experience stuff.
1: That seems very likely to occur like tomorrow.
0: Maybe if I keep talking about it out loud and work on my invitations. Someone will show up? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Well, a girl can hope. Are there any other toys that need mentioning? We don't want to leave anyone out.
1: Well, there's cotton candy flavored lube.
0: Mm -hmm. I got the mint version. How is the cotton candy?
1: Oh, it's it's good. I don't even like cutting candy that much. We both were super like intrigued, but uncomfortable with the idea of licking a butthole when we got into this. OK. Oh, and that's an experience that I can talk about, like an actual experience that was really good. OK, so we had talked about the idea of eating ass. Right. And both of us kind of been like, mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. I know what happens down there and I don't know. <laughs> and then like, you know, when you're a dude, it's like, well it's kind of like hairy down there and how do you make <laughs> sure it's really clean and how do you like just oh, really a lot of i don't know and then we were on a vacation and we've been hanging out everybody else had gone to bed and we are at this lake house in the pool and everybody else had gone to bed and we start kind of messing around in the hot tub and then we move to the pool and you can picture i'm like propped back on the edge of the pool and he's in the water giving me a blowjob like under the water oh so hot and then while we're having fun doing that all of a sudden he just like swims under me and picks up my legs and starts licking my butt (laughs) and i was like (gasps) (gasps) (laughs) like i'm like squirming and trying not to moan loudly because there's people inside sleeping and felt really good but still from that point i think both of us are like just a little uneasy about doing that on any old day Mm -hmm. i think the pool water definitely bring some comfort for him for like you know everything's everything's getting washed away and diluted yeah. <laughs> it's going to be fine so that was the first experience and then i tried it with him and he didn't seem to like it as much but being open to exploring that when the mood strikes but also not feeling like we've you know just got to conquer this milestone or else we're not yeah. having good sex you
0: know also i just want to say this is not a sponsorship but I just love them so much. Laurels are the natural rubber latex panties. They just got FDA approval for like safer sex as well. They're big enough and stretchy enough that people with all parts can wear them. And so that is what a lot of people are wearing if they want to do rimming more often but don't want to prep or just feel like it's too personal and too in there. It feels fucking amazing. They're really thin, they're really they're really yummy.
1: I'm all for safer sex and sex education I feel like dental dams are probably the least sexy thing you've ever seen.
0: They're life. just cumbersome and <laughs> it's really I, I have a pack because I've been like I want to do safer sex and I want people who are going to go down on me but I want more of it and it hasn't you know I, it's more successful with the laurels and still educating the partner about what the fuck it is is a little bit of labor but it, that's why I also just want to tell everybody because snapping on these panties and they are working on a non latex one for people with allergies but right now it's just the natural rubber latex They're hot as fuck. Like, they're really... The sensation is beautiful.
1: Are they, like, really uncomfortable or sweaty to just wear around and you just put them on for the act?
0: No, you want to put them on for the act because they can get caught on stuff and rip, which is also hot because you can rip them off. But it's just like having a condom nearby the bed, like, you know, when it's time to rim someone. But I I also have, like, because I was working on an art project for them and was just experimenting with some of them and so I was like wearing them around the family farm like while doing chores and they like lasted half a day (laughs) but I don't and that was in the sun and like I don't recommend people do that but like I also was putting them on oranges and like put it with a hole and like fucking my fingers and they and they like stand up to nails really really well you're not supposed to poke them with nails but I was like well this is an orange not a vagina so I can just fuck it with my nails and it's fine and so I got to have some more experiment with that so Anyway, cut your nails before stabbing people's buttholes, but that's just a thought <laughs> that you could try if you want to yeah. make it more of a regular thing for the sensation without the discomfort. Okay, so cotton candy, do you use that for blowjobs as well or mostly for asshole stuff?
1: Usually not. My partner has. I really like giving oral. He doesn't like it as much and doesn't like to swallow. I love to swallow. Me too. I don't know. So, I mean... I think part of the nature of being in a committed relationship with someone who, you know, is safe and monogamous is that, you know, we really, I don't have to think about condoms. I don't think about where the semen goes. It's just like we get to be fully connected that way. And it's very cool. I don't usually use the cotton candy lube that much.
0: Okay. What other sex things do you love? What turns you on? What do you fantasize about?
1: Okay. I really, really want to give him a prostate orgasm. Just fucking him. Like really bad. I want that to happen.
0: I want that for you too. So bad.
1: I think his emotional state has way more to do with whether or not that happens. Absolutely. From what I've read, it mm-hmm. seems like 80% of it is where he's yeah. at in here. Yeah. And some of it is what's actually happening with my penis. So I can't really force that at all. I'm just trusting that if we keep having good sex and connecting, it'll happen eventually. We haven't done any like real bondage stuff. And I don't think I'm into heavy bondage, but the idea of like, tying his hands up and then giving him an orgasm, a prostate orgasm while I'm fucking him. Like, whoa, that's pretty huge
0: one. That could be a very big gift. I started orgasming much more easily with partners when I was getting tied down and being told not to. So for me, for me, it really gave permission and it calmed my nervous system down because I felt like I finally had a partner too, where there was like no expectation. And it was just about explore this sensation. Don't come just explore the sensation. that's
1: well, and that's, We're trying to move into that space, and I think that's part of sort of a sensate focus approach to, you know, I don't know, you and I have read a lot of the same, like Emily Nagoski and Esther Perel, and, you know, I'm really enjoying all of that relational literature, but also that my partner tends to have his brakes on more than I do, Mm -hmm. and I have a really sensitive accelerator, but my orgasm threshold is pretty up here, and his is down here, so He takes longer to get going. But once we're going, we're going to get there pretty quick with him. I need more global sexual in context to orgasm. Right. And that's something that we just continue to learn about each other and continue to grow in that area. So I also like the idea of being dominated a little. Yeah. Right. I like dirty talk, but not being demeaned.
0: Okay, Can you give us examples of dirty talk you like and things that would be read for you?
1: tell me what you're going to do to me. Tell me that mm. what you're doing to me right now. Tell mm. me what you want me to do to you. Like, just talk about it, right? <laughs> I'm really auditory. So like, I mean, I still sometimes fantasize or really, it's such a vivid memory of him looking into my eyes and saying, I yes. want you to fuck me yes. that first time. Like oh. that's so vivid in my just somatic memory, right?
0: Yeah, yeah I have a couple of those too. Oh.
1: Those moments like that are huge. So I love that kind of communication. We've done a little bit of like, Light slapping here and there kind of Mm -hmm. just exploring what that feels like right do I like this do I not like this I know that I don't like being belittled or talked down to I think that the attitude of mutual respect in that space and safety is what makes it so good for me and I know that in like a dom-sub thing that's created in the context but i just have no framework for how that would happen in my life yeah
0: and there's some of us who have a really hard time receiving love and adoration unless someone's like telling us we're good because we're such a terrible little slut that's a fucking whore you know what i mean like it's uh, i don't know psychology's <laughs> like, a little wacky but you know we like it. yeah <laughs> have you ever been slapped while coming or would you be interested in exploring that
1: Oh, I would be interested. No, I haven't.
0: That's one of my favorite things that I never could have told anyone to try on me because I didn't know to ask for it. You know. <laughs> uh
1: huh. One of my favorite things is when the stars align and the environment is right for both of us. If he fucks me and I come, and then I get to use my cum as lube when I fuck him, is like,
0: oh. <gasps> that's so hot. Yes,
1: yeah. <gasps> that kind of like immediate, you know, flip flop is not always in the cards of course and it doesn't always feel perfect but like
0: but when it works how special oh
1: man i love when he's on top and he comes all over me i love all that yeah
0: beautiful what other come play like are you into facials or is that a lot like are there lines what are you
1: You know what's funny is so this is an interesting one and it kind of ties into the relationship with porn we both are into the idea of just exploring in some novelty but when we start to do things that feel like A dirty porn show, if that makes (sighs) sense, like, or, or the way that it has felt in my mind in the past, I get sort of shamey and weirded out. I get that. And that's why Dirty Talk, like, oh, do me, daddy, like that sort of very porny script does not feel arousing. It feels gross.
0: Yeah. For me, it has to have the emotional connection for it to feel like true and honest, if we were using acting terms, whatever, in the moment versus... I am performing robotically the sex that has been sold to me that's actually full of, like, shame and wants me to buy stuff.
1: Absolutely. I'm with you. Yeah, so facials are one of those sort of very Mm. scripty porn things, and we haven't really tried it.
0: Wow. I wonder if I had watched more porn if I would hate them.
1: Well, I think they, in sort of porn culture, are like, you know, I'm supposed to find that really arousing, coming on someone's face. It's, It's like a trope now. Porn. I feel like that's just the way it ends. Better come on their face, and I don't know. That, that doesn't feel like it does it. But just like yeah. being cummed on, feeling his body squeeze me when I make him come while I'm inside him is like, Whoa! Yeah. right? Yeah. Like, and I'm gonna yeah. come pretty much right after that because that's so hot. I mean, just that feeling is incredible.
0: Wow. Okay. What have we not touched on? Do you still watch porn? Do you guys sext? Do you send nudes?
1: Porn's a complicated one because, you know, I know the jury is out on like porn addiction as a clinical addiction, but when I look back on my past and I know with him too, there were times when I know I was using porn as an unhealthy medication, right? Whether or not we're going to call it an addiction, I was medicating most of my negative feelings with porn and masturbation Mm. and it wasn't good. In my previous marriage, you know, porn was a form of infidelity and it was something that was not okay in that relationship. In this relationship, we can discuss much more openly, like, where we're at with different things. And we've come to a place of, like, you know, for my own personal well-being, and because I want to save that sexual energy and excitement for you, we're going to not watch porn. And so that's just kind of where we've landed. And that certainly isn't to generalize or judge anybody else's relationship. That's just kind of where we're at. And I think it, it feels really good for us right now.
2: That's um, Because
1: we also had to navigate the space of, like, for a while, I felt very not okay about masturbating or not okay about him masturbating or like what are the boundaries of in this relationship in this new mm. male relationship that I have and it was causing tension for both of us because I was as the higher desire partner sort of saving all of my sexual energy just for sex with him yeah. and as the lower desire partner he's feeling like uh, kind of pressured by that and then I start feeling maybe resentful because we only have sex when it happens to align for you
0: Oh, I know that feeling.
1: Right. And so we have to have this back and forth. And finally, I came to like, oh, you know, like I'm sort of projecting my past guilt about masturbation on you. Mm -hmm. And I am, you know, suspecting that you are being dishonest when you're, you know, if you're masturbating and that it's going to somehow sabotage our relationship and came to an agreement of like, you know, I promise not to disappear into myself and masturbation away from you because I love you. And at the same time, if it's Tuesday and I'm having some alone time and I want to masturbate, then that's okay, yeah, so we have a really good communication about all of that, and it has felt like a real victory too, in the relationship because we both had so much baggage around that issue in general, masturbation and porn in general, so we've gotten to a place of having some really good communication.
0: oh, that is amazing, also, what grown up doesn't have baggage? I just want to just normalize that we all have. Stuff that causes crinkly feelings, and that's how we grow. If we don't address them, if we just stuff them down, then we don't get to grow. We get to replay that misery for our whole lives in worse ways.
1: Oh, and you mentioned sexting now that I think of it. So during times when we were apart, we did sext and send some like dick pics and stuff then and talk about what we wanted to do to each other, and it was super hot and I loved it. But now that we're living together, we just don't do that as much. You know, we see each other more frequently. And he doesn't really like receiving messages like that at work. It it. makes him feel uneasy, which I can totally respect. So we don't do that as much anymore.
0: And what about turnoffs? What would like turn you off?
1: When I can tell that you're not here for this, right? Like when I feel we're having some kind of disconnected robot sex. Yeah. No, like I, I'm yeah. done. Unless
0: that's the um, negotiated fantasy, I expect you to be a person.
1: <laughs> well, and we had to navigate too, you know, like I mentioned, some of the attachment style stuff with my new partner. You know, that avoidant personality or avoidant attachment style sometimes approaches intimacy with a little more distance and has a little more trouble dropping into a really connected space. And so we had conversations about, like, I don't want to just trade orgasms with you, I don't feel like I'm here to just. I'll come and you come and cool, right? And because if we want to have that experience where we want to just like you know masturbate together, then cool. But if I come in with the expectation that we're going to have emotional connected sex and you're just sort of you know masturbating while I'm here, yeah, that doesn't feel good. It was tough to get to that conversation just to find the language for what that feeling was because I was like something just it doesn't feel right, right? Something about the way this is going doesn't feel right. And of course, (laughs) given my anxious attachment style, I was quick to like. Diagnose a giant problem in the whole relationship and say everything was going to fall apart. (laughs) But really, it was just that we needed to communicate about our expectations. And now it's much better. So yeah, detachment from my partner, messes, smells, like, eh, that's gonna close the door for me.
0: Oh, really? Does it stop a session if there is a mess? Yeah,
1: Okay. I mean... If, if I was, like, real, real close and I smelled something, I could probably just, you know, <laughs> punt it into the google. But if, like, we're going to have to be here with the smell for any amount of time, like, mm. no, mm-hmm. <laughs> I like think I'm done. Nothing makes me go soft faster than feeling like I'm hurting him. Like, if I know that he is uncomfortable or that, you know, something's not right, I mean, my whole brain sort of shuts off. I tend to be the pleasing partner who wants to make sure that my partner's happy and I have to really do work to get out of his head Mm -hmm. and actually focus on what feels good to me because it feels you know pressuring to him when I am like does that feel good are you sure it feels good are you sure this is good are you sure you like this (laughs) and when he wants to be like just stop and you know be in your own head and feel good so yeah that one knowing that you are not liking this Or I just hurt you when I did that. That's a turn off for sure.
0: I also just want to highlight the lesson you just gave me, which is just feel good with me. I feel like that's such an easy, simple. And I, too, can get caught in my head. That's why submission has been so great, because the submissive lens is focused inward. It is about my experience. And every time a sense is deprived, it forces that, you know, and the beautiful thing is finding a partner where the yin yang, you know. Right. Ugh, that makes sense. Is there anything else we need to know about your sex life or sexual landscape before we ask about your future desires?
1: I really like taking videos of us. Yes, that's a lot. And jerking off to them <gasps> later—that's oh, my most. Common...
0: Oh, so you do personal porn? That's yeah. There
1: you go. Right. Yeah. No, it's it definitely feels okay when I'm jerking off to videos
0: of us. Fuck, that yeah, that's cool. my favorite kind. I mean, not not of you guys. I haven't watched that, to be very clear. <laughs> but <laughs> my well, own personal point. <laughs> my
1: partner had to, you know, because I brought it up a long time ago, and he was like, uh, I don't know if I'll be able to, like, you know, do that on camera. And he's like, but you know what? You have permission to film us. Just don't tell me that it's happening.
0: Oh, right? that's hot and trust. Yeah. I'm, I'm turned yeah. on by that because of the amount of trust that that indicates and also that it's a sexy thing. Wow.
1: So he's given me permission to, like, just you know, set up a secret camera somewhere in the room and video it, and then he finds out later that, like, I got a video last time and it was really good.
0: Cute! I love that.
1: I really like that sort of feeling of being ravished. Like, my partner is so into my body and is, like, kissing me all over and is, like, totally here for me and my body right now. That is an incredible feeling. And, you know, that feeling is kind of characteristic of that fireworks period of sex. Right. And so when that started to dwindle a little bit in our relationship, I was like, oh, no, I'm never going to feel that good feeling again. What's happening? Mm. But with good communication, you know, many, many things can happen in a sexual relationship whenever you can talk about it. Well,
0: totally. also, sometimes I feel like I just need a new location, you know, Mm -hmm. take me to a tower, aka hotel room, whatever, and ravish me like, you know, it's sometimes just that is it really is just our brains need a little novelty kick.
1: Well, yeah, I, w- I want to have a sexual adventure yes, with you. Yes. Really, nothing about it may be new except the location, but now we're on an adventure.
0: Absolutely. Anything else that jumps out at you?
1: Oh, God. <laughs> so often you ask about disasters. This is another mom walking scenario. Okay. So I am probably 14 or 15 in my room, and my bed had this mirror tucked up inside the headboard that was like built with shelves so if you can picture there's a mirror like inside the headboard and i'm i guess for whatever reason exploring with trying to like come in my own mouth and see what's going on at the same time so i am like upside down with my feet on the wall above my headboard with you know i'm like my head and my penis and everything are facing this mirror underneath okay and this whole setup faces my bedroom door all right so i am in the middle naked but like naked of this whole like let's figure out what this is like and my mother just freaking walks in she just walks in the room and it's like and 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 so i immediately like fall down and i'm like (laughs) and she probably looking in that mirror she probably could have seen like whatever was happening i don't know she could have seen a lot of things but she's just like it's time for dinner and i'm like okay
0: okay oh my god
1: my so yeah just My mom and her lack of boundaries have a lot to do with a lot of things, (laughs) my whole approach to life. But the sexual moments are an interesting detail that are just kind of funny to share. Wow.
0: (laughs) It also sounds like you've done an incredible amount of self-education, emotional education, sexual education. Are there any resources that you might share with us that you found super helpful for yourself?
1: A personal therapist. Hmm is huge that really is the most of it EMDR yeah. is a really good modality I don't know if you're familiar I am but it's a good way to go back and dig into some of that emotional midbrain stuff and unpack some of your trauma if you've got that going on because without a doubt your trauma is gonna affect the way you approach relationships and sex and if you haven't dug into that stuff it's gonna get in your way yep so I am so grateful for the professionals that have helped me with that and then the entire subset of knowledge and teaching around attachment theory has been an incredible tool for my own personal growth it explains so much about the way that i learned to approach life and sex and relationships and i just encourage anybody to get in touch with your own attachment style and you will be shocked when you're able to apply it to so many relationships in your life totally
0: okay what are your sexual hopes for yourself going forward
1: you know i just want to keep having more connected awesome sex with my partner and i feel like i've got a soul connection with him that i just i don't think i could have that with anybody else you know Mm -hmm. he's pretty incredible and i just want to see that deepened and expanded through the rest of our life together
0: fuck yes And if you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sex advice, what age or ages would you pick and what would you say?
1: I almost cried thinking about this question.
0: Mm.
1: I think I'd go back to like 11 or 12, just as I was starting to feel sexual feelings and notice people in a sexual way. And I would just tell little me, you're okay.
2: Mm.
1: And what you want is okay. And what you like is okay. And there's nothing wrong with you. That I think is The message I needed that I never got was, there's something wrong with you.
0: Casey, thank you so much for being a guest on the show.
2: I loved it. That was great.